Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change and when should we start building our rafts? Hello everyone, you may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Happy almost Halloween, everyone. For those of you who have been following my channel since the early days, you might recall that I started off doing spookier content. I love Halloween and horror, though I tend to veer more towards the spooky and supernatural than the gory. Back in 2018, I did a series exploring the evolution of eight different horror tropes, from their ancient origins to their modern pop culture afterlives. Today, let's dig up this treasured series and explore the history of vampires, the devil, zombies, and killers. Next week, we'll conjure up witches, ghosts, werewolves, and horror comedy. And what has changed in the world of horror in the last five years? With the dominance of streaming, there has been an explosion of content, and there's a lot to sift through. Some spine-tinglingly good, some less so but I'll give a few personal favorites in each genre. For vampires, I can't get enough of the What We Do in the Shadows series. For the devil, I enjoy the spooky twists in the show Evil. The zombies in The Last of Us and the Korean show All of Us Are Dead gave me nightmares. And for killers and general creative psychological horror, there's Get Out and Black Mirror. Hopefully, this lurch through the history of horror will inspire you to check out some spooky content this Halloween season. A brief history of horror. Vampires. Eternal youth and beauty. So what if you have to drink a little blood? That allergy to sunlight would be a bit of a pain, but some prefer the nightlife anyway. The vampire has inspired fear and dark fascination for centuries. Their unearthly glamour, sex appeal, ageless wisdom, boundless wealth, and tortured souls are fantastic inspiration for storytellers. But while we are attracted, we must also be wary, for at the end of the day, these gorgeous creatures are really out to eat you up. Cultures around the world have legends of creatures who hunt down and exsanguinate their victims. Babylonian and Hebrew mythology tell of Lilith, a female demon who drinks blood and seduces men. 
She is said to have been Adam's first wife, made from earth as he was, unlike Eve who was made from Adam's rib. Lilith was banished from the Garden of Eden when she refused to be subservient to Adam. Aztec mythology has the Chiuteo, skeletal face spirits of women who died in childbirth. They stole children and seduced living men, driving them mad. Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia all have varying legends of creatures who can detach either their head or their full upper body and fly around at night on bat's wings in search of victims. They suck blood using a long, hollow, straw-like tongue. Malaysia has tales of the Pontinac, women who died in childbirth. They appear beautiful and alive except for a hole in the back of their neck which they use to suck blood. Filling the hole with their hair will drive them away. Voodoo culture tells of Lugaru or succuent, who appears in the form of an old woman by day, but at night removes her skin and travels as a fireball from house to house, entering cracks and keyholes to drink blood from her victims. Aloe vera plants are said to ward her off. Hollywood gets most of its vampiric inspiration from the folklore of Eastern Europe. There, legends abound of the recently deceased rising up at night to stalk the living and drink their blood. Corpses of suspected vampires were commonly exhumed and normal signs of decay and disease, such as blood around the mouth, bloating, and growing hair and nails were misconstrued as evidence of supernatural nocturnal activities. To stop these nightly risings, corpses were often staked through the heart, beheaded, or had bricks placed in their mouths. In the 15th century in the Romanian region of Transylvania lived a nobleman by the name of Vlad Tepish. He was ruthless against his enemy, the Ottomans, and became notorious for impaling his victims, often eating his dinner surrounded by impaled and bleeding men so that he could watch them suffer. Seen by some as a villain, Vlad is a celebrated folk hero in Romania famous for protecting his people from invaders. Vlad's father, who was murdered by the Ottomans, had been a member of the chivalric order of the dragon, and Vlad went by Dracula, or son of the dragon. His famous bloodthirst was first associated with vampirism by Irish author Bram Stoker, who in 1897 wrote the hit novel Dracula. Stoker's Count Dracula was a mysterious, elegant, and eerie European nobleman who moved from his crumbling Transylvanian castle to England where he planned to find new blood and spread his curse. Stoker's story did a great deal to establish the lore of the vampire. A vampire is a human whose aging process was stopped in its tracks the moment they became undead. They are bestowed with immortal life and many vampires have interesting histories and centuries of acquired wealth, knowledge, and power. In some stories they have the ability to fly, turn into bats or wolves, and appear invisible in mirrors. They are driven by an insatiable thirst to drink the warm blood of the living, biting humans on the neck with their fangs. If you are lucky enough to survive a vampire bite, and or if you drink the blood of a vampire, then you too will walk amongst the undead. Vampires only come out at night as the sunlight will burn them to ash. They spend the day sleeping in coffins and often must sleep on the dirt of their homeland. Garlic, crucifixes, holy water, and silver can all be kryptonite to these ghouls. They can also be killed by being staked through the heart or beheaded. 
Dracula is by far the most famous gothic novel involving vampires, but it was not the first. That distinction goes to John William Polidori's 1819 novel, The Vampire, about Aubrey, a young Englishman who befriends the mysterious Lord Ruthven. As the pair travel Europe, Aubrey begins to realize that those around them are turning up dead. Ruthven himself is murdered and swears Aubrey to secrecy about his death. Upon returning to England, Aubrey finds Ruthven very much alive and engaged to Aubrey's sister. Aubrey is driven mad by the pledge that prevents him from warning his sister, who is found drained of blood on her wedding night. The fear of vampires reached Rhode Island and Connecticut in the late 1800s where tuberculosis, commonly called consumption, caused the infected to waste away slowly. It was suspected that the disease was actually the work of the previously deceased who would rise at night to drain the life out of others. The common remedy was to exhume the suspected vampire, burn their heart, and feed the ashes to their victim. In 1922, the vampire began its long stalking of the silver screen with German expressionist silent film Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror. This masterpiece is a ripoff of the Dracula story, but rather than a debonair nobleman, the villain is a hideous bat-like monster. Bram Stoker's widow sued the production for copyright infringement and all copies of the film were ordered burned, but thankfully some prints survived so that future generations can cower before Count Orlock. 1931's Dracula was Hollywood's first foray into the realm of the vampire. It stars Bela Lugosi as the titular Count, Lugosi's suave, aristocratic air, and mysterious Hungarian accent made a lasting impression on the world and propelled the vampire to eternal fame. In 1958, British studio Hammer Films released Horror of Dracula, another retelling of Stoker's novel but with more sex appeal and gore. The Count is portrayed by stylish and imposingly tall Christopher Lee. The film was so popular it spawned eight sequels throughout the 60s and 70s. The gothic soap opera Dark Shadows aired from 1966 to 1971. It tells the various twisted tales surrounding the Collins family. Ghosts, werewolves, monsters, witches, and time travel were all utilized to keep the daily drama going, but the show became a hit with audiences when the vampire Barnabas Collins was introduced. Black exploitation film Blackula tells the tale of an 18th century African prince who was turned into a vampire after Dracula refused to help him suppress the slave trade. In 1972, the vampire prince is released to terrorize Los Angeles. In 1976, Anne Rice revitalized the vampire genre with Interview with the Vampire. The novel introduces a new cast of vampires unrelated to Dracula. Louis tells a reporter the story of how he was turned vampire 200 years earlier by Lestat, a sensual, ruthless rake. Louis is haunted by guilt at the nightly murders the pair commit until Lestat turns a young girl, Claudia, and Louis becomes her father figure. This was the first in the Vampire Chronicles series. In 1994, Interview was adapted to film starring Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and Kirsten Dunst. In 1979, Stephen King followed his hit first novel, Carrie, with the small town vampire tale of Salem's Lot. 
A writer returns to his old hometown just as the mysterious Mr. Barlow moves into a creepy old house and people in the town start to die and disappear. In 1985's Fright Night, a teen horror fan begins to suspect that his new neighbor, who is putting the moves on his mother, is one of the undead. In The Lost Boys, a mother and two sons move to a beach town. The older son begins to show signs of vampirism after he starts to hang out with a local gang led by the daring and disturbing David. In order to save his brother, the younger son becomes a vampire hunter. Francis Ford Coppola directs an all-star cast including Gary Ullman as the titular Count in 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, a stylish and scary retelling of the classic novel with the addition of the romantic backstory of the tragic death of Vlad Dracula's wife in 1462. The 1992 movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer about a valley girl who discovers it is her destiny to slay vampires was a moderate success. Five years later, Buffy was reimagined into an acclaimed and popular TV series of the same name. Sarah Michelle Gellar stars as a high school student trying to live a normal life in between taking down demons and blood-sucking fiends. Quentin Tarantino's From Dusk Till Dawn stars the director and George Clooney as bandits on the lam who hide out in a strip club that turns out to be a harbor of the undead. In 1998, Marvel Comics superhero Blade was turned action movie starring Wesley Snipes as a human-vampire hybrid with all their strengths who protects humans from vampires. The horror action series Underworld pits vampires against werewolves in an epic battle. Kate Beckinsale plays a badass vampire death dealer bent on destroying the Lycans who murdered her family. Interview with the Vampire sequel, Queen of the Damned, was filmed in 2002 and explores the origins of vampires dating back to ancient Egypt. Singer Aaliyah stars as Queen Akasha, but tragically she died in a plane crash shortly before the movie's release. In 2005, vampires took over the zeitgeist like never before with the hit young adult novel Twilight. The romance between human Bella and vampire Edward set many hearts aflutter, broke sales records, and dominated pop culture for several years. The series received harsh criticism from many fronts. The relationship between the main characters has all the hallmarks of abuse, stalking, control, and obsession, and Bella Forgo's personal development in favor of having a boyfriend. Horror fans weren't impressed either. While some of the vampire lore was adhered to, immortality, wealth, and beauty, many took umbrage with the fact that these were vegetarian vampires who resisted the urge to drink human blood in favor of animals and, most egregiously of all, rather than being scorched by the sunlight, these vampires sparkle. In the wake of Twilight's massive success, many other vampire-themed movies and series were rushed to production, most notably The Vampire Diaries about two vampire brothers both obsessed with the same human girl. HBO's True Blood, based on the Southern Vampire Mysteries by Charlene Harris, was a bit more stylish. A human waitress in small-town Louisiana, Sookie Stackhouse, falls in love with Confederate vampire Bill, but is also attracted to Viking vampire Eric. 
Swedish film Let Me In and the American remake Let the Right One In follows a young boy who begins to suspect that there is something strange about the young girl he only sees in his neighborhood after dark. It's a sweet and bloody tale of young love. The 2009 film Daybreaker puts a new spin on the vampire genre. In a future world where everyone is a vampire and human blood is running out, a scientist searches for a cure to turn the world human again. In 2014, New Zealand comics Jermaine Clement and Taki Watiti created What We Do in the Shadows, a mockumentary about a group of flatmates who happen to be vampires. This comedy is just what was needed after a decade of lukewarm vampire overexposure. Vampires have long had that certain je ne sais quoi, suave, debonair, and downright sexy. We are attracted to them when we should run in terror from their obvious desire to drain our blood. So what would you do if a vampire offered you the immortal kiss? Give in to the darkness or stay in the sunlight? A Brief History of Horror The Devil Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness, Beelzebub, Satan. There are many names for this the most evil character. Across many cultures he is the foil to all that is good and pure and the tormentor of the wicked. He is the ultimate trickster, terror of the faithful, hero of the counterculture, and all-around ultimate bad boy of horror. In Judeo-Christian tradition, Satan is an angel who rebelled against God and as punishment was banished into the depths of the earth. He is the serpent that tempted Eve to commit the first sin, resulting in her banishment from the Garden of Eden. In the bowels of hell, he rules over the damned and their eternal torment. And when Jesus wanders the wilderness, it is Satan who tempts him to turn his back on his father. Many other religions and cultures have similar characters. In Zoroastrianism, one of the earliest known religions and precursor to monotheism in the Fertile Crescent, God, known as Ahura Mazda, has twin children, Spintu Menu, beneficent spirit, and Angra Menu, hostile spirit. The duality of these characters is the central view of human nature in this religion. Spintu represents all goodness, Angra, all evil. The ancient Greeks feared Hades, the god of the underworld. He was the brother of Poseidon, the god of the sea, and Zeus, the ruler of all the gods. His misty and gloomy realm was where all mortals met their ultimate judgment. Buddhism has Mara, a demon who represents temptation of the flesh, the wages of which are eternal death and separation from nirvana rather than reincarnation. Mara uses his own beautiful daughter in an attempt to tempt the Buddha away from the path of enlightenment. Satan is a common theme in visual art. Christianity, big on borrowing ideas from early pagan religion, took the popular image of the devil from the mischievous Greek god Pan, who was a human-goat hybrid with horns and cloven hooves. His pitchfork is thought to have come from Poseidon, god of the sea. In medieval Europe, fear of eternal damnation was used by the church to terrify the faithful into appropriate behavior. Thousands of people were accused unjustly of being witches in league with the devil and were tortured, hung, or burned at the stake. 
In the 14th century, Dante Alighieri's epic poem, Divine Comedy, begins with a tour through Inferno, or Hell. Dante is guided down through the nine fiery circles of the afterlife, where the damned are tortured in ways fitting their earthly crimes. The work shaped the popular vision of Hell from then on. The German legend of Faust tells the tale of a doctor who is unsatisfied with life and makes a pact with the devil, exchanging his immortal soul for unlimited knowledge and earthly pleasure. This story has been replicated in many works of art through the ages, most famously by English playwright Christopher Marlowe in 1588. In John Milton's 1667 epic poem, Paradise Lost, Satan is portrayed as a tragic anti-hero destroyed by his own hubris. This work is often cited as the basis for his status as an icon of counterculture and a rebel against the establishment. During and since the Enlightenment, the educated disdained the belief in the devil as mere superstition, but superstitions are hard to shake, as evidenced by how frequently Satan pops up in pop culture. In the early 1900s, jazz and blues music, primarily played by African Americans, was so feared by white America that it became known as the devil's music. In 1936, Robert Johnson claimed that he met the devil at a crossroads and sold his soul in return for becoming a great blues guitarist. Johnson was murdered a year later, becoming a founding member of the 27 Club and fanning the flames of his legend. 1926 silent film Faust and 1941 Talkie, The Devil and Daniel Webster, both tell versions of the Faust legend. In the swinging 60s, Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satan, which became a popular hedonistic scene among the rich and powerful. Members allegedly included Sammy Davis Jr., Jane Mansfield, and Liberace, who frequented orgies at LaVey's infamous Black House. 1965's Eye of the Devil portrays a black mass. Real-life black magician Alex Sanders was consulted on the film to ensure that the ritual was depicted accurately. 1967's Bedazzled put a comic twist on the Faustian legend. In 1968, Mick Jagger sings in the character of Lucifer in the Rolling Stones' hit song, Sympathy for the Devil. 1970s America was in a hangover from the free love of the previous generation. Women's liberation, civil rights, and a massive recession meant huge cultural shifts and many young people felt disenfranchised from the American dream. Rock bands like Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, and Judas Priest groomed an air of counterculture mystique that flirted with the satanic and drew in hordes of young fans. Mothers warned that the moniker of the band KISS stood for Knights in Satan's Service, which, by the way, is untrue. The division between generations and the sense that the young were rejecting wholesome values in favor of debauchery led to a rash of brilliant and eerie films that bring parents' worst nightmares to life. In Rosemary's Baby, an expectant mother is haunted by creepy dreams and stalked by creepier neighbors until she gives birth to the son of Satan. The Exorcist sees a sweet and innocent girl spew profanity and pea soup when possessed by a demon. Priests try desperately but in vain to rid the girl of her plight. The movie pushed the envelope for major cinema horror and deeply disturbed many audience members. 
in The Omen. When the infant son of a politician on the rise dies in the hospital, he is secretly replaced with an orphan who grows up in wealth and privilege. But as the child grows, mysterious and ominous deaths surround him, and it becomes clear that little Damien is in fact the Antichrist. 70s Britain was also obsessed with the occult, as evidenced by the many demonic offerings of Hammer Horror Studios, including The Devil Rides Out, Blood on Satan's Claw, and The Satanic Rites of Dracula. In one of Stephen King's most popular novels, and my personal favorite, The Stand, survivors of a worldwide plague are haunted by terrifying dreams and eventually must confront a demon in human form, Randall Flagg, who has gathered his followers in Las Vegas. In the 80s, as more women entered the workforce and children were left in the hands of daycares, fears began to grip the nation fueled by fundamentalist Christian leaders and sincere sensationalist journalism. Childcare workers across the nation were accused of belonging to abusive satanic cults in what became known as the Satanic Panic. Reputations and lives were ruined in the mass hysteria, but evidence of the alleged abuses were rarely found. In the 80s and 90s, the devil becomes a slick man in a suit, more cunning and deceptive than ever before. Angel Heart sees Robert De Niro as Louis Cipher, who hires a detective to track down a man who owes him his soul. In The Devil's Advocate, Keanu Reeves is the son of Satan, Al Pacino, in the guise of a wealthy New York lawyer. The son must decide if wealth and privilege are worth defending the truly evil. Jeff Goldblum is Mr. Frost, the devil committed to an insane asylum. And in prophecy, a creepily poetic Lucifer is engaged in an epic otherworldly power struggle. Satan is in the business of seducing women in The End of Days and The Witches of Eastwick. A more traditional depiction of a demon, played by Tim Curry, can be seen in Legend. In the 2000s, the devil can often be found in comic fare, such as the childish Satan in South Park, Adam Sandler's dad in Little Nicky, and wisecracking Hades in Disney's Hercules. But there is still a healthy dose of fear for the devil as seen in DC Comics' Hellblazer and its film adaptation Constantine about a man who can see demons on Earth. Devil in which five strangers are trapped in an elevator and one of them is Satan. And Drag Me to Hell where a woman is cursed by a gypsy and terrorized by demons. In 2012, in Salem, Massachusetts, political activists formed an atheistic group called the Satanic Temple. Its members used the shock value of their brand as a political tool to protect religious freedom. Whenever a town wants to erect a cross on civic property or bring prayer into public schools, they request to build a statue of Satan or send out Satanic activity books for children. Usually this ends the prayer plans, but sometimes up goes a statue of the Dark Prince himself. 2016 comedy series The Good Place sees a group of people in a strange but delightful version of heaven. However, in the end of season one, the main character discovers that they are in fact in hell, and the demon in charge is there to subject them all to personalized psychological torture. So what's your take on Lucifer, absolute evil incarnate and the seducer of the wretched sinner, or misunderstood rebel and hero of the counterculture? 
Does all this history send you daydreaming about exploring old castles and ancient ruins? Then join me on my historic group tour of Scotland from May 15th to 21st, 2024. Over seven days, we'll experience the highlights of Scottish history, from lowlands to highlands. We'll see the honors of Scotland at Edinburgh Castle, Bronze Age burial chambers at Balnurin of Clava, Elendonan Castle, the Living History Highlands Folk Museum, Dunkeld Cathedral, the mystical Isle of Skye, and so much more. We'll try delicious Scotch delicacies and unwind over a whiskey tasting. And most amazingly, we'll do it all with a group of fellow history lovers and a local guide. Bring a buddy or fly solo. We'll all become friends along the way. Click on the link in the description to reserve your place on this historic trip today. I can't wait to meet you in Scotland. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. A brief history of horror. Zombies. Zombies are everywhere nowadays, gnawing their way onto the pop culture stage and painfully, slowly, but inevitably shuffling their way into our nightmares. But where do they come from? Alien spores from space? Experimental government goo? A virulent virus? Or our existential fear of mortality? Let's explore the history of these repulsive reanimated wretches. Of all the classic horror characters, zombies seem to be the most universal. All people across all cultures die, and we all fear death. Fearing the actual remains of those who die is an easy leap to make, and a rather practical one. Corpses must be removed from places inhabited by the living because as flesh rots, it releases dangerous bacteria which contaminates and spreads disease. Because of this, all societies have developed rituals of caring for the dead, both to honor them and to keep them safely away. 
Myths of zombie-like creatures cover the globe. They are referenced in the Epic of Gilgamesh from 2100 BC, when Ishtar, the goddess of love and war, threatens, I will rise up the dead, and they will devour the living, and I will make the dead outnumber the living. The Vikings dreaded the Dragaur, warriors who returned from the dead with a savage and insatiable hunger for human flesh. They keep their human intelligence and their cunning makes them all the more terrifying. They can only be stopped if lured back into the ground. The Chinese fear the Zhongxi, hungry ghosts who return to terrorize and devour family members if they were not properly buried. In the Middle East, legends warn of ghouls, prostitutes who are separated from God by their sin. They call out like sirens in the desert, but when the wayward traveler comes near them, they reveal their repulsive, rotting flesh and devour their victims. Medieval Europe cowered at tales of the revenants, corpses who crawl out of their graves to hunt down and devour the flesh of the living. Legends of revenants were especially prominent during times of plague, when those who survived were often surrounded and outnumbered by the dead. The word zombie comes from the Haitian voodoo tradition. A zombie is a person whose mind is being controlled by magic so that they act as a slave to their controller's bidding. One of the most significant works of horror fiction deals with the reanimation of the dead, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, in which the titular doctor uses electricity, a burgeoning technology in 1823, to resurrect the corpse of an executed criminal. The novel cut to the heart of many fears of the time, not only the fear of modern science, but of the real-life resurrection men, who dug up fresh corpses from their graves to be dissected by doctors eager to chart the mysteries of human anatomy. The zombie began its long stalking of Hollywood with 1931's Frankenstein and 1932's White Zombie, in which Bela Lugosi is an evil magician who turns his victims into zombies with his mind. The undead rise in the Ed Wood cult classic and so-called worst film ever made, Plan 9 from Outer Space, in which aliens animate all the world's dead, including a very sexy vampire. Pyra. But the real beginning of the zombie in modern pop culture was in George A. Romero's pioneering 1968 classic, Night of the Living Dead, in which a group of strangers barricade themselves in a farmhouse against the slow-moving but unstoppable horde of the living dead. Here we see the victim of a zombie bite turn into a zombie herself, and the concept of ghoulish infection is born. The term zombie is never actually used in this film, but there's no mistaking their hunger for human flesh. A decade later, in 78, Romero directed Dawn of the Dead, in which a group of survivors attempt to elude the zombified population in a mall, the ultimate setting of consumer culture. Now we are moving into the zombie apocalypse genre, in which we must face the reality that more of the world is undead than living. In 83, Michael Jackson cemented the zombie as a cultural icon with killer dance moves in the video for his smash hit Thriller. 1985 birthed the bizarre and delightful Return of the Living Dead, in which a group of punk teenagers accidentally resurrect a graveyard with experimental government gases. 
This movie gave zombies a distinct desire to devour human brains. By the 2000s, we were completely surrounded by technology and the health and well-being of the individual and society are utterly dependent on science. In an echo of the fears gripping the era of Frankenstein 200 years ago, the creeping fear of a disaster too devastating for science to save us from began to creep into our collective psyches. Thus, the zombie apocalypse genre seized the public imagination in the new millennium and we have seen dozens of resurrections. The Era of the Zombie was launched in 2002 by Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, in which the protagonist wakes up from a coma to discover that London has fallen apart in the wake of the rage virus. These ghouls were no slow-moving threat. They ran. In 2004, British parody Shaun of the Dead sees a London loser trying to win back his girlfriend and grab a pint with his best friend, all while the world is destroyed by the living dead. Most notable among the explosion of zombieism in the knots are the 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake, the Resident Evil video game and movies, and comedy Zombieland, as well as zombie-themed books, The Zombie Survival Guide, World War Z, and even Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. In the last few years, the golden age of the television series, the undead are along for the ride. They can be found in two of the most critically acclaimed and watched shows. In Game of Thrones, a horde of ice zombies is ever-growing and slowly marching south to destroy the living. The Walking Dead follows a group of survivors in the zombie apocalypse as they elude walkers and find that the most evil creatures on the planet are, in fact, the living. The Living Dead have even shuffled off the screen and into real life with popular zombie-themed races, bar crawls, and other events across the country. Zombies are interwoven into so much of our culture and fear, from mindless consumerism to the fear of scientific breakthrough and the breakdown of our fragile society. And most of all, we fear zombies because they are us. The undead are alive and kicking as the most popular horror subgenre of the moment. But will the virus last? Will zombies remain the dominant horror species, or is a different fiend lurking in the shadows ready to devour the popularity of the zombie? A brief history of horror. Killers. Ghouls and zombies, vampires and werewolves, all out to get you, and all, thankfully, fictional. But there's one subgenre in the horror pantheon that is based very much on bone-chilling reality, the killer. From disturbing psychological thrillers based on real-life serial killers to manic teen slasher films, these works of horror fiction have a foot firmly buried in the real world. Just let the fact that you are more likely to win the lottery than be bumped off by a serial killer help you sleep at night. Taking the life of another human is considered a great wrong in most of the major religions of the world. In the Bible, the first murder is committed by Cain, the son of Adam and Eve, who kills his brother Abel. 
Historical criminologists believe that serial murderers may have existed throughout history. It would have been easy for someone with a particular taste for human blood to satiate their unnatural yearnings within a marauding army like the Hans or the Vikings. Liu Pingli, cousin of the Emperor of China in 144 BC, frequently went on murderous rampages. He was found guilty of murdering over 100 people but was protected from execution by the emperor. Legends of werewolf or vampire attacks in medieval Europe might have been perpetrated by human hands. 15th century nobles Gilles de Reyes of France and Elizabeth Bathory of Hungary used their wealth and influence to procure hundreds of victims and conceal their crimes. Both eventually met with justice. De Reyes was hanged and Bathory walled up in her castle. In 1888, London was terrorized by Jack the Ripper, who murdered and mutilated at least five prostitutes. The case created a media frenzy, but the killer was never caught. Today, theories of his identity abound, including possible connections to the royal family of Queen Victoria. Down the street from the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, psychopath H. H. Holmes built a gloomy maze of a boarding house full of secret rooms and poison gas jets. Investigators confirmed he killed at least nine people, but he claimed the number was closer to 200. A quintessential work of early cinema and German expressionism, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, tells the story of an insane hypnotist who puts his victims in a trance before murdering them. The best-selling novelist of all time, Agatha Christie, worked primarily in crime and detective stories. Her 1940 book, And Then There Were None, deals with ten strangers invited to an island where they are all killed off one by one. Ed Gein, known as the Butcher of Plainfield, used the bodies of his victims and exhumed corpses to make bizarre trophies. He was found guilty but legally insane in 1957. His disturbing case has had a lasting effect on American pop culture, inspiring many books and films, including Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and The Silence of the Lambs. In 1960, Alfred Hitchcock released his masterpiece, Psycho. This film pushed the boundaries of violence and deviant behavior in American film. A young woman played by Janet Leigh is on the run after embezzling money. She stops at a motel in the middle of nowhere and meets the strange innkeeper. Later, she is stabbed to death in the shower. After watching this horrifying scene, many audience members let their hygiene habits slip. In 1974, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre followed a group of friends who became victims of a family of cannibals while traveling through the countryside. The film's violence made it difficult to find distributors, and it was banned in many countries, but ended up being enormously profitable, setting off a new genre of slasher films. The mask worn by the killer, Leatherface, became a hallmark of the genre. Janet Lee, the victim in Psycho, saw her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, become the next generation Scream Queen in 1978's Halloween, 1980's Prom Queen, and other films. Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, tells the twisted tale of killer Michael Myers who stalks and kills teenage babysitters on Halloween night. 
His disguise was a cheap Halloween Captain Kirk mask. The massively popular film has had seven sequels and two remakes. 1980's Friday the 13th takes place at a summer camp where years earlier a boy drowned while camp counselors were too busy making out to save him. Now teenagers keep getting murdered. In the original it was revealed that the boy's bereaved mother was the one seeking violent revenge for her darling Jason. But in the 11 sequels Jason himself, wearing a hockey mask, wields the machete. Wes Craven's 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street haunts us with a spectral killer, Freddy Krueger, who stalks his victims with his scissor hands, but only in their dreams. The 1988 novel Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris and 1991 film adaptation dive into the mind of the serial killer. Rookie FBI agent Clarice Starling is called in to interview convicted cannibal Hannibal Lecter to try and enter the mind and therefore catch a killer still at large. Buffalo Bill is a chilling villain who is making an Ed Gaines style suit out of his victim's skin, but the real villain is Lecter who plays mind games with detectives and escapes, becoming the target in the next two of this four-part series. David Fincher's 1995 thriller Seven gives us a killer who murders each victim in the theme of one of the seven deadly sins, gluttony, greed, sloth, lust, pride, envy, and wrath. The killer makes himself and the detective the final victims when it is revealed what's in the box. In 1996, Wes Craven returns with a meta-slasher film that flipped the genre on its head. Scream killed its biggest star, Drew Barrymore, in the first scene, letting audiences know they could not be sure who would survive. We also learn the rules of surviving a horror movie. 1. You can never have sex. 2. You can never drink or do drugs. And 3. Never ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Scream launched a new generation of teen slasher movies in the 90s, including I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend. In Saw, the victims are psychologically tortured by an unseen murderer who plays games with them, forcing them to make difficult decisions to survive. While the initial movie was brilliant, it launched a number of increasingly horrendous sequels and a new, gruesome and gratuitous genre known as torture porn. In films like The Stranger and You're Next, psychotic killers enter the very homes of their victims to torture them. In addition to the excessive violence of the new millennium, there have also been a few brilliant and more psychological movies and series. The darkly sleek and funny novel and movie American Psycho sees a 1980s yuppie slaying his victims while listening to upbeat pop tunes. In the series Dexter, we see a man with an insatiable desire to kill turn his longings to the public good by victimizing other murderers. Oscar-winning Black Swan is set in the competitive world of ballet, in which the main character will do anything to outdance the competition. Get Out mixes terror and racial commentary as a black man finds disturbing happenings at his white girlfriend's parents' home. Murderers in the media are a large topic to tackle, and we've only scraped the surface. Though styles may come and go, the topic will always draw darkly fascinated audiences. As they say in the news, 
If it bleeds, it leads. What's your favorite scary movie? If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I'll be putting out new episodes every Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, unburying some of my favorite hidden gems, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's history, and more. You can also follow History Tea Time on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like Queen's Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.